Again, thank you for allowing me to be here to spread the word of God with each and every one of you. How many people, new Christians, do you think, was added to the Lord's family this week? Let me make it a little easier for you. How many people were converted or became Christians this week because of something that you said or done? Someone wants to ask you, well, tell me a little bit about Obadiah. Just tell me a little bit about the book of Obadiah. What can we tell? Hopefully, when I get through the lesson this morning, I'm not going to say a whole bunch because we don't know a whole bunch about Obadiah. But hopefully there will be something new that you'll be able to tell them. Myself, when I find something new, I like to go out and tell people. So hopefully we have something. Now, first off, the name of Obadiah means servant of Yahweh. Other than his good name, little is known about Obadiah. There is perhaps more speculation than fact relating to the historical identity of Obadiah. Now, the book of Obadiah is the shortest book in the Old Testament and reveals nothing personal about the prophet. Now, the date of it, because the clay's got kind of, when I'm looking at stuff and all, I kind of want to go back and get dates and all. But the exact date of this prophecy is hard to determine. The date of Obadiah's work is ascribed to Pharaoh's reigner from 845 to 400 BC. However, the two most probable dates are 845 and 586 BC, or shortly thereafter, according to Homer Haley, a commentary on the Minor Prophets. Now, some of the arguments against the late date are that there is no mention of Babylon <clears throat> or the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. There is no mention of Jerusalem or the temple. There is no mention of refugees fleeing to Egypt. Some of the arguments for the earlier date, though, is that the book of Obadiah is listed with the pre- Assyrian prophets in the canon. Jeremiah quoted from the book of Obadiah. Therefore, the book of Obadiah was written before the book of Jeremiah. Now, the enemies describing Obadiah were from the early history. Verses 19 and 22 speaks of Judeans Judea repossessing their land. And this didn't happen after they were carried away into Assyrian and Babylonian captivity. Now, there is abundance of material available where the arguments for the date of, of this book is set forth. But in this lesson this morning, I'm not going to really get into the date of it. We perceive these arguments in detail, but the simple point that must be made, however, is that the book of Obadiah was a prophecy. Therefore, it was written sometime before the destruction of Edom. And if someone could, well, why was it written? The purpose of Obadiah is writing and the subject of his prophecy are easily understood. Obadiah prophesies of Eden certain judgment and their doom. The judgment will be just and extensive. Now, however, God's people would enjoy the victory and the blessing. Now, talk about Edom. Edomites were the descendants of Esau. Hostility between the Edomites and the Israelites 
who were descendants of Jacob started actually in the womb. We see back in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 25, verses 21 through 26 tells us, Now Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea. And Rebekah's wife conceived, but the children struggled together within her, and she said, If all is well, why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So when the days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb, and the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over, so they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. Genesis 25, 21, and 26. We see that the brothers Esau and Jacob eventually overcome the hostility which existed between the two of them. However, the hostility of the resulting nations continued for many years. It's perhaps come together in one head, all headed up and accumulated in one event which set the tone for relations between the two nations for many years. We see that in the book of Numbers, chapter 20. Numbers, chapter 20, verses 14 through 21. Numbers 20, 14 through 21 tells us, And, and Moses sent messengers from Cadus to the king of Edom. Thus says your brother Israel. We talked about calling people brother in our early morning lesson. But anyway, thus say your brother Israel, you know all the hardship that has befallen us. How our, our fathers went down to Egypt, and we dwelt in Egypt a long time, and the Egyptians afflicted us and our fathers. When we cried unto the Lord, he heard our voice and sent the angel and brought us out of Egypt. Now here we are in Cadence, the city on the edge of your border. Please let us pass through your country. We will not pass through fields or vineyards, nor will we drink water from the wells. We will go along the king's highway. We will not turn aside to the right hand or the left until we have passed through your territory. Now, then Edom said unto him, You shall not pass through my land, lest I come out against you with a sword. So the children of Israel said to him, We will go by the highway. And if I or my livestock drink any of your water, then I will pay for it. Let me only pass through on foot, nothing more. Then he said, you shall, pass, you shall not pass through. So Edom came out against them with many men with a strong hand. Thus Edom refused to give Israel passage through this, his territory. So Israel turned away from him. Numbers 20, 14, 21. Now at the time of Moses' confrontation with the Edomites, God did not allow the Israelites to engage them in battle due to the blood ties which existed between them. We see in the first part of Deuteronomy 23 and 7, You shall not abhor an enemy, for he is your brother. However, by the time of King Saul's reign, there was war between these two nations. King David also fought against the Edomites. But now then we get to looking at the prophecy or the vision, so to speak, of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, 
We have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations, saying, Arise, and let us go against her for battle. Obadiah 1 and 1. Now, through, though the Israelites under Saul and David have done battle with the Edomites, in the past it would be the heathen nations whom God would use to bring their utter destruction. Now one must wonder how many opportunities this nation had to repent as did the city of Nineveh in Jonah's day. Yet they remained proud and arrogant before God and man. And as a result, their downfall was certain. Obadiah chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 tells us, Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be greatly despised. The pride of your heart hath deceived you. You who would dwell in the cliffs of the rock, whose habitation is high, you who will say in your hearts, who will bring me down to the ground? Though you ascend as high as eagles, and though you set your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, says the Lord. Obadiah chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. It's the same thing with Paul when he was going out on the road to Damascus, going, going against God's, uh, God's, way, God's work. God shone this bright light now. We learned that in our first lesson. And how he, he told him that uh, got his attention. The Lord's going to get our attention one way or the other. Wouldn't it be smart to just go ahead and start studying God's word? The same thing here. These Edomites, they going, he's going to get their attention. They think they're so high and mighty right now. The Edomites, literally, they literally dwelled in the mountains. And due to their location, their city was easily defended. They become so arrogant that they believe themselves to be unconquerable. They believe themselves to be so great that falling was impossible. Usually this is when the emergency room gets busy. When someone says, don't worry about it, I got it. Or just trust me. Or just hang on. Them simple little words tell you right there. Get the ambulance ready. Yet the Lord said, from there, I will bring you down. The same attitude exists today. We may not literally dwell in lofty mountains as the Edomites did. However, an exaggerated sense of self may cause us to be guilty of the same arrogance. It may, may be that materialistic society in which we live cultivates a false sense of security. We might have security, well, I got the fastest truck around. I can get away from anything. Like the, some people, uh, a couple boys joking and said that they had got a new charger and that car is so fast they can outrun any police car out there. They wasn't worried. Tell them you might outrun that police car, but you're not going to outrun that Motorola radio. They'll, they'll stop you. See, it's so arrogant. Or people say, you know, I just bought me a new 45 Smith & Wesson. I ain't scared of nothing. It's that attitude that's going to get you. So when you go out telling people, you know, I carry four or five, I got more armor on me than John Wayne had. Then that bad person going to say, well, that's the first one I'm going to take out. Because <laughs> we're just getting so arrogant, so built up. But this may cause us, as I said, to look, look down this material, this uh, false sense of security in our building, our company. This may cause us to look down from a self-erected podium that they believe that we cannot fall. I cannot be brought down. If our attitude is similar to that of the Edomites, 
then the results will also be the same. Anyone at any time who is not obedient to God can and will fall. Perhaps sooner, but certainly no later than the great day of judgment. Obadiah 1 verse 5, If thieves had come to you, if robbers by night, oh, how you would be cut off. Would they not have stolen till they had enough? If grape gatherers had come to you, would they not have left some glimmers? This is one reason that the Edomites had a poor reputation among the nations. Not only did they plunder at every opportunity, but also their appetite for plunder was never satisfied. They could never get enough. They could never get enough. And now the point here is made that even thieves have a concept of enough. If the vineyards were raided, there would have been some grapes left behind. But Edom took everything from those around him and wanted more. This is also an attitude that can easily be seen today. It's not limited to those who physically plunder or steal. Anyone who allows his appetite for the things of the world to overwhelm his service to God displays the same attitude. So many people in our society want more of everything, but more is never enough. Their desire to obtain more results in the robbing of God. Because so much time and energy is, is spent in obtaining the pleasure of the world, we rob God at the time of service, which we ought to dedicate to Him. We need to do what the enemies did not do. We need to allow our appetites for worldly pleasure, worldly things to be easily satisfied. Humble ourselves in service to God. We see in Obadiah chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. Oh how Esau shall be searched out. How his hidden treasure shall be sought after. All the men in your confederacy shall force you to the border. The men at peace with you shall deceive you and prevail against you. Those who eat your bread shall lay a trap for you. No one is aware of it. Obadiah 1, 6 and 7. And get back to my westerns. I mean, westerns have a scene where they rob stagecoaches. They rob banks and all. And then what do they do? They rob from each other. They kill each other. They keep narrowing it down. So we need to be in the family with godly people and stood about with these people that could never get enough in life. Edom would receive what it had dished out. Edom took everything from those who plundered. In like manner, everything would be taken away from Edom. Even those who appeared to be friends would be enemies. The destruction of Edom would be total. Obadiah 1 verses 8 and 9. Will I not in that day, said the Lord, even destroy the wise men from Edom, and understanding from the mountains of Esau? Then your mighty men, O Teman, shall be dismayed to the end that everyone from the mountains of Esau may cry, be cut off by slaughter. Obadiah 1, 8 and 9. The verse also deals with the total destruction of Edom. Edom was known for its wise men, especially the wise men of Teman, which was Edom's southernmost city. They would have nothing left in reserve. Both their wisdom and their strength would be destroyed. Even the safety of the mountains would be cut off. 
as was the case with these, the same is true today. When we rely on anything other than the things of God, we are sure to fall. Now the worldly things we set store by may seem powerful. It may seem great, but we may be secure in our science, in our philosophy, in our ability, but none of these things can save a soul or turn aside the wrath of God. I was joking with a young fellow. He said, you know, he's so strong that he can probably whip me. I said, you know, I'm so smart, I can probably overcome you. So it's the same. You never go to a, a, a gunfight with just a knife in your hand. Here, the, the obedience to God was all that could have saved Edom, and it is all that can save each and every one of us today. Obadiah 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. For violence against your brother Jacob... Shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. And the day that stood on the other side, and the day the strangers carried captain his forces, when foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, even you were as one of them. Obadiah 1, 10 and 11. Now destruction was coming due to, to Edom's conduct at the time of Obadiah's prophecy. However, that was not the only reason. Doom was also coming upon them because of their treatment of Israel in the time of Moses and the exodus from Egypt. It would appear historically that Edom never supported or defended his brother Israel, but stood with the enemy of God's people. And then we see in Obadiah 1, 12-14, it tells us, But you should not have gazed on the day of your brother and in the day of his captivity. Nor should you have rejoiced over the children of Judah in the day of their destruction. Nor shall you have spoken proudly in the day of distress. You should not have entered the gate of my people in the day of their calamity. Indeed, you should not have gazed on their affliction in the day of their calamity. Nor laid hands on their substance in the day of their calamity. You should not have stood at the crossroads to cut off those them who escaped. Nor should you have delivered up those whom them uh, who remained in the days of distress. Obadiah 1, 12 and 14. Now these verses reflect a deep-seated hatred. We have seen previously that the Edomites were worldly, self-absorbed, opportunity people. They're out for just to please themselves, just to get what they can get for themselves. They're going to use every opportunity they can to take from others, cause harm to others. But they took joy in the suffering of Israel, even when they had nothing to gain by it. They not only wished harm to befall the people of God, but they would kick them when they were down. What sad conduct in any age of people to desire that their fellow human beings to suffer, to stand ready to cause or add to that suffering. Obadiah chapter 1 verses 15 and 16 tells us, For the day of the Lord upon all the nations is near. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your brother shall return upon your own head. For as you drank on my holy mountain, so shall the, the nations drink continually. Yes, they shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they had never been. Obadiah 1, 15 and 16. Edom would not only be the only nation which would face the judgment of God. The day was approaching when all those who stood in opposition to God would face his divine wrath. 
Again, it stated that Edom would reap what it has sown. The same true of the other nations who opposed God. Edom specifically had desecrated God's holy mountain by its conduct and its attitude. Their ungodly attitude would cause them to be swept away as utterly and completely as they have never existed at all. Obadiah 1, 17 and 18. But on, my Mount, but on Mount Zion there shall be deliverance. There shall be holiness. The house of Jacob shall possess their possession. The house of Jacob shall be a fire. The house of Joseph a flame. But the house of Esau shall be stubble. They shall kindle them and devour them. And no survivor shall remain in the house of Esau. For the Lord has spoken. Obadiah 1, 17 and 18. In this time of judgment, the world seemingly would seemingly be turned upside down with chaos reigning. In the midst of the chaos, there would be one safe haven. The haven deliverance would be Mount Zion. That simply means that deliverance would be found only in God. In our chaotic world today, that is the same thing is true. No matter the alternative presented by man. No matter the, the sorrow we experience, salvation is found only in the obedience to God. The United Kingdom of Israel and Judah would consume Edom as the flame consumes dry wood. The destruction would be so complete that not one Edomite would remain. Obadiah 1, 19 and 21. The south shall possess the mountains of Esau, and the lowland shall possess Philistia. They shall possess the fields of Ephraim, the fields of Samaria. Benjamin shall possess Gilead, and the captives of the host of the children of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zephyrath. The captives of Jerusalem, who are in Shepherd, shall possess the cities of the south. Then saviors shall come to Mount Zion to judge the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Obadiah 1, 19 and 21. Telling us here that Edom would be physically overthrown. It would literally be wiped from the face of the earth. But a spiritual truth is also found in these verses. That God's people shall overcome. And every nation under all circumstances, God's people will overcome. Now the kingdom of God is the only refuge. It's the only attainable to those who will humble themselves in the obedience of God. Now in conclusion this morning, we can learn a great deal from the fall of Edom. As long as men are arrogant, self-absorbent, Edom shall serve as a warning. No individual or nation can soar beyond God's reach. No one can escape the judgment of God. The Creator's judgment is certain and it's final. So we say, well, whatever the reason may be, might feel like we didn't have the opportunity, might feel like we didn't have the time. And I'm talking to myself. Whatever the reason why we didn't talk to someone, at least one person, for God last week, that's something that we're going to have to answer for. But the good news is, by the grace of God, we're venturing into a new week. We have the opportunity to make up what we didn't get to. I know we were challenged one time to pass out just two church cards a week. 
We still got those cards sitting around. Actually, we got new cards sitting around. That's a new opportunity. Let's assume that we're going to have to answer next week for how many people we talked to, how many cards we passed out, how many people we invited to church, and let's act accordingly, knowing that we might have to come in front of the church and tell how many cards, how many people we talked to. No, we're not. We all know that. But let's have the attitude in our minds because we will have to answer on Judgment Day. Now, if there is anyone here that hasn't been baptized, what had their sins washed away? Maybe we have, but we have stepped out of God's way. We need the prayers and the encouragement of the, the congregation. That's something else we're going to have to. You know, we're told, and I hope everyone does, before we take the Lord's Supper, observe ourselves. Get our, our relationship with God right. I'm begging of you. If any need, whatever, anything in, in separating you from the love of God, come forward at this time while we stand and sing our song of invitation. <laughs>